Welcome to King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. So how's everybody this morning? Everybody in a place where you can hear and you can see. All right, great. Well, we're off and running. This is the... the select remnant that returned. I'm so glad to see everybody. And a uh, great day to continue our study of prayer. There are handouts and there's a sign-up sheet going around, our usual. So um, why don't we go ahead and say our names and then we'll get started. I'm Debbie. Elaine Bubella. Linda Davis. Jim Bubella. Alan Davis. Brandon Wilson. Don Ward. Okay, Brandon, now I have yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Brandon Brown. Wendy Waldeck. Jim Waldeck. Jody Wallace. Elizabeth Keller. Great to have each one of you. This is Gar coming in to join us. So last week, um, if you all will get out the handout, I think we're going to take a quick look at that first, and then we'll we'll pray and get started with our new material today. Our overarching goal for the two weeks is right here up top on the handout by observing Jesus we learn about prayer and we pray last week we talked about Jesus praying we observed him in a number of places in his personal prayer life this week we're talking about what did Jesus teach about prayer these are a little different Um, our our definition of prayer, conversations with God, still the same, and a reminder that the Bible is full of examples of prayer. Um, let's see. Go to our next slide. You all saw this one already. Okay. Um, just to review, we talked last week about the fact that we have the incredible privilege of entering into the Holy of Holies with Jesus. When that curtain rent at the moment of his death, it opened the way for us to be ushered in and to pray directly to the Heavenly Father. We observe Jesus praying in very private settings as he would seek out time uh, and solitude, sometimes all night long. We, uh, we saw him um, with prayers of thanksgiving, audible prayers. We saw him with prayers um, that were quiet in small groups, uh, such as with the disciples. He was teaching them to pray by modeling prayer for them. We also saw him at some very difficult moments. His prayer in the garden. Uh, his prayers from the cross. And come right on in, pick up a um, hand out there. And we're glad to have you just reviewing. And you all were here last week, so all's good. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, this week instead of observing Jesus in prayer, we want to hone in on a few of his actual teachings about prayer. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to start. So we'll, um, while we're waiting, um, wasn't that an incredible 
sermon this morning about Pentecost. I'm ready to go home and hang out doves. Yeah, I'll pick out my favorite Pentecost song. Yeah, it, it really has been overlooked, so it's so nice to see that emphasized and hear about um, the work of the Holy Spirit. And we've all experienced it, haven't we? We've been on some track somewhere, and the Holy Spirit has come and put his arm around us and, and gotten us through. So you all who haven't heard it yet, you're in for a wonderful experience. So let's pray, and then we'll start. Heavenly Father, we would ask even now that your Holy Spirit would come and put your arm around us this morning as we open your word and discover even more truths about prayer, the things that Jesus talked about in the Gospels. Open our hearts and minds. Help us to hear you and to understand what you are saying, that we might uh, take these truths and apply them in our own personal prayer lives, that we might have more effective prayer, but more than that, that we might deepen our relationship with you. And so we thank you for this time, and uh, it's in the name of Jesus, our intercessor, at, who is at the throne of grace, praying even now for us. Amen. Amen. Well, one Sunday, during the pastor's prayer, there was a loud whistle from the back row. Gary's mother looked down at him with eyes of steel and pinched him. After the service, she cornered him. What in the world were you thinking to do that in church during the prayer? He said, Mom, I've been praying for God to teach me how to whistle, and he just did. <laughs> well, little Gary got in big trouble. But ironically, he was doing something that Jesus talked about in the scripture. He had prayed a very specific prayer. Now, I, wonder, I know that what Pastor Harmon said this morning, that is absolutely true. At any moment of life, we, want, we may say, help me, and we can receive instant help from the Holy Spirit. But I want us to think this morning about the importance of specific prayer. How often do we say general things like, Lord, be with this child? Or, Lord, my friend is in ICU. Please be with her. Or we might think, gosh, I've got a heavy day today. Lord, be with me today. And I'm, I'm definitely sure that God answers those kinds of prayers. But I'm wondering what would happen if we said, Instead of those, if we said, Lord, as Jimmy sits down to his exam today, would you bring to his mind all the things that we went over together, all the questions, all the answers, and please keep him focused? Or we might say, Lord, my friend is in ICU today, and I want her to have the best attendance 24-7 so that she will be okay there. But if she needs sleep, then she will get a good night's rest. Or we might say, Lord, you know I have a heavy day today. <clears throat> Would you give me wisdom in all 
the decisions that I have to make. And would you help me to be kind to all the people with whom I meet so that at the end of the day, I will feel that the day has been good and positive. When we pray specifically, we are rewarded for it. Because Jimmy comes home from school and he says casually, Mom, I think I did okay on the exam today. Well, we'll find out in another few days, I guess. But that's clear that something happened when he was on that, on that exam. Or we visit our friend in ICU, and maybe they'll let us in to see her. And she says to us, you know, I had a great night's sleep last night, and I feel better. Or maybe at the end of the day, we're lying in bed, drifting off to sleep, and we think, oh, I got through it. All the decisions were made, as far as I could tell. I was kind to everybody. I tried not to get on anybody's last nerve. And we got through it. This is when we know that God heard and answered our prayers. Have you had that experience? Of course you have. The more specific our prayers, the better we understand when God has answered them. Now, what does Jesus have to say about that? Let's go to Mark 10, 46. Mark 10, 46. And if someone has that, um, if you would read uh, at the end of the chapter. I think it's at the end of chapter 10. I'm going to find it eventually. Mark 10, 46, yeah, all the way through the end of the chapter. If someone could read that nice and loud to help out our friends who are on live stream today. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting on by the roadside. And when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. So Jesus' question is interesting. What do you want me to do wouldn't it have been obvious to Jesus that the man was blind and the one thing he wanted more than anything in the world was to be able to see? So, I have a question on the handout. Yeah. Why did Jesus ask Bartimaeus what he wanted him to do for him? Okay. To be clear. To be clear? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. And so maybe he wanted him to ask. Maybe he did. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was important. Yeah. Any other thoughts? I don't care. I mean, we don't know. Most anything you say is probably fine. <laughs> yeah, Linda? This is one of those teachable moments where he is performing a miracle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are other people around, many people around. And this is where, you know, he does a miracle for the, the glory of God and for the kingdom. And he wants the other people to say, this man is asking for something. And God is going to, you know, answer it now. And so it's a teachable moment right there. Yeah. Oh, so what? And somebody over here? Alex? That's all right. Alex, I'm, Mike. The, I'm the other one. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. If, if we are specific to our want or the wants or needs or tasks, they tend to get done. If we're just in general wanting to have everything better, then how do you go about making everything better? It's yeah. not there's no specific action. That's true. Experience that. You know, some people really don't want to be healed, do they? Maybe this guy had a good business as a beggar. (laughs) (laughs) Would it have upset his uh, income if Jesus had healed, had not had uh, healed him? I mean, maybe that's what happened. I don't know. But Jesus wants to be sure that he is answering the prayer of the man's heart. What does it tell us about our prayer life, do you think? Does it say anything to us when we're praying? Something, well, we'll think about it. We'll just keep thinking about that as we move on. Um, I do think, though, that all too often we falter in our prayers because we don't really believe that God hears and answers prayer. One of my favorite gospel stories involves a man whose child was ill. And Jesus says, well, I'm going to heal him. And the man says, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. And so there was a point that the man wanted desperately to believe that Jesus was going to heal his child. But then there was also a percentage of his emotions that was saying, I I can't even grasp it. Help me here. Which I think then gives us permission in our own prayer life to say, Lord, I'm praying for this. Please give me the faith to believe that what I am praying, even though it sounds impossible, will be a prayer that you will answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, it's just real. It's, this is just where we are when we're praying. Um, so being specific in prayer, I think, is the lesson that Jesus is teaching us here. What is it that we really want? It forces us to think about the consequences of the prayer that we're praying. And it makes us be sure in our own minds that this is what we want and that this is what we believe that Jesus can and will do and should do for us. 
Is it in line with what we think God would want for us? Okay. Um, Second thing Jesus teaches is about the need to be bold when we pray. You know, sometimes, I think, and I think Pastor Harmon touched on this this morning. I'm always relieved when he says something that I'm thinking about for the class. Um, because he said, sometimes we feel that we don't know quite what to pray. We get in our moment of time alone with the Lord, and finally everything's quiet, and we know that we have something to bring before the Lord. And it, that's the moment where our words leave us. Our thoughts leave us. How am I going to say this? Does he really want to be bothered with my little problem? How am I going to express my need and make sure that I'm praying this right? There was this little six-year-old girl who um, walked into the dining room, and the dining room table was filled with people. And at that moment, her mother said, I'd like for you to say the blessing today. And she said, oh, I can't do that. I don't know what to say. And her mother said, you just say what I say. So she sat down at the table and bowed her head in a very loud voice. She said, oh, Lord, why on earth did I invite so many people to dinner today? (laughs) Well, that's probably not the kind of boldness that Jesus is talking about here. Um... So let's see what kind of, what we might say is bold in um, the parable here. Go to Luke 11, verse 5. Luke 11, verse 5. Jesus has just finished teaching the disciples the Lord's Prayer. But he has a little bit more to say about that subject. So chapter 11 Um, We're going to do 5 through 13, but I think we'll break it up a little bit. Um, Let's do 5 through through 8. Someone would read 5 through 8. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Hmm. Okay. And then 9 through 13. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then are evil, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? 
But this is familiar, I think. We've certainly studied this parable before. Um, how is God like the sleeping neighbor in Jesus' story? How is God like that? The man who's asleep and all his children are asleep. And you know, when you finally get the last one down, you don't want anything to happen to wake up the household. How is Jesus like the sleeping neighbor? Or has God, let's say God, the Heavenly Father, how's the Heavenly Father like the sleeping neighbor? He's the person you go to. That's right. He you know, has everything. I have, you know, it's like I need something. He's the person I would, God is who I go to. That's right. God has it. That's where I'm going. But how is God different from this neighbor? Well, God responds to our, I mean, this is a last-minute urgent prayer. Uh-huh. It's got to happen now. Uh-huh. And um, the neighbor didn't respond, but God in some way will. Yes. Uh-huh. That's true. Now, maybe not then. We'll talk about that in a minute. Anything else? Uh-huh. Well, the only thing I thought of was that God never sleeps. We don't have to worry about waking him up to get him to hear us. Um, what do you what do you see that um, that helps us understand something else about our prayer life? Do, I'm just copying what you just said. It's not at only certain times of the day. It's whenever we're, you know, inspired yeah. to call on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what does Jesus say that, or why, actually, does Jesus say that we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? Look at the very end where he's talking about the comparison between God and the earthly father. Um, and he says, you know, if you have a father who is evil, that just means an earthly father, and you ask him for a fish, he's not going to give you a snake. Or if you ask him for an egg, he's not going to give you a scorpion. So how much more is your heavenly father going to do for you when you go to him? And it tells us the father in heaven will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Why do you think Jesus put that in there? Very simple. Um, I was just gonna say since no there's no tricks and do same prayer is not like doing like the monkey's paw where it's like, oh it's you know, you're gonna get what you want, but then it's gonna be you know evil twist at the end. It's like, no, God's not gonna do that, God's going to give you what's best for you. Oh, right. So we don't have to worry about any um, underlying um hate labor or um, negative motives or anything like that, that it's a sincere gift given out of love. And honestly, I think of all the gifts we just heard this morning in the sermon, the best gift is the Holy Spirit. That's actually the Spirit of Jesus himself that has been given to us and was given to us when Jesus returned to the Father. Um, He's called the Counselor. He's called the Advocate. He's called the Spirit of Truth. All of his names are wonderful things that help us uh, when we need them. 
and is always with us. So um, being bold is, um, I think, something that is not only permissible, but it's expected when we pray. We don't have to hold back. Um, but, you know, the Father wants to hear from us and expects us to come boldly to the throne. So we want to be specific. We want to be bold. We also, yes, Linda. Well, a corollary to that is um, there's, a, there's a country in the Western Psalm that says, thank God for unanswered prayers. So that's another side to, you know, yes. praying and not getting what you want, but it's probably what you need. That's exactly right. Or that God answered it in a different way from what we ask. And, you know, the older we get, the more we can look back and know, oh, thank goodness he didn't answer that prayer, right? Mm -hmm. He knows what we need and he answers in the right way. So let's take a look at the next one, um, the persevering in prayer. Turn with me to Luke 18. And we'll read uh, 1 through 8. 18, 1 through 8. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always, ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who never feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what this unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to this to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he day, delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he will find faith on earth. So what are some of the things that you see in this parable? How would you describe the judge, for instance? He was not loving. Unloving. Yeah. Uncaring. Uncaring. Mm-hmm. Um, no respect for God, even. Not the judge you would want if your case came up. Um, what do we know about the woman, the widow? She's persistent. She is persistent. Why do you think she is so um, unfortunate in her request? What's going on here? Maybe she was desperate. Maybe she was. I just have a feeling that where it says that, um, talks about her, let me see if I can find that. Um, Oh, she says, grant me justice against my adversary. I have a feeling that maybe there was someone who owes her money, someone that has not been fair with her in a particular setting. And because she is a widow, she has no one to go to bat for her. 
And probably, if this money doesn't come through for her, she's going to be reduced to begging. So her very life is, you know, um, on, the, uh, on the dock. And so she is coming to this judge over and over and over again to plead her case. How does the judge respond to her? Oh, this nice lady has just been um, wanting help for so long, and I, I, out of the goodness of my heart, I'm going to help her. He just wants to get rid of her. He, right, Brandon, you're right. Whatever it takes, I just <laughs> want to get rid of her. Shut her up because she's annoying. She's coming. Yes. Isn't this the strangest story mm -hmm. that Jesus would tell mm -hmm. about praying? What do you make of it? Maybe it's a contrast between this judge who clearly doesn't care about justice mm -hmm. or people. It's probably just a job for him, one of those judges, where he's not doing it because he really loves justice. It's just kind of a job. But with God, God cares about people, cares about justice, meeting people's needs. So it's a complete polar opposite. Yeah. And chances are the people that Jesus was addressing had encountered judges just like this. Right. And he was able to, as you, as you described, the polar opposite. God is entirely different from the unjust judge who does not care for the lowly widow. Um, a woman once lost her diamond necklace at the theater. And so she called the next day to the box office to see if anybody had turned it in. And the man said, well, no, but let me go back and look around your seat and see if I can find it. He said, I'm going to put you on hold. So he went back to the theater, looked around the seat, found the diamond necklace, and went racing back to the phone only to find out she had hung up. Do we hang up on God too soon? Do we stop praying because we're not getting instant results? Do we say, well, forget that prayer. He's not interested in hearing that. But here we have Jesus telling us that God is not like the unjust judge. God wants to answer speedily. Now, speedily to God is not speedily to us, right? <laughs> Why does God sometimes delay the answer that we want so desperately? Do you think? Have you had that experience? Are you still praying something? You've been praying for a really long time? Yeah, me. I am. Um, why do you think God delays when we know this is something that we would be in line with his will? It would, um, it would just make everybody happy. It would solve all the problems. Um, why doesn't he go ahead and answer the prayer? It's his timing. We have to wait for his time. Why though? Why is he, why does it take so much time? What's happening? Is he testing our faith? Testing our faith? Teaching us patience. Teaching us patience. Mm -hmm. John? Mm -hmm. uh, I'll share this based on experience, my personal experience of having prayed about something over four years ago and it took God four years to answer it. I had forgotten about the prayer and he did some stuff like, oh wait a minute, that's right, I did. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't see how many moving parts are involved and how many of those moving parts are other human beings. And if he just does what we want 
right now, other people will be hurt or broken or, you know, bad things will happen. So in order to answer the prayer, he's got to move a lot of stuff. So he isn't, I mean, maybe we get our faith tested, but a lot of times it's, he loves us, but he can't just, like, take everybody in the room here and throw them against the wall so we can get what we want right now. So he has to move us slowly, maybe whatever it is, to just... Mm-hmm. The situation is a more complicated, it's worse than you think, whatever there can be. But I've literally had a prayer answered that I cannot tell you what it is because it's so overwhelming. And at the time, I had no idea. And if he answered by the way, um, I guess I can share this with you. I would have gone to hell, and another person would have gone to hell if I'd answered the prayer right away. And he turned it, but it took so long, four years, that I forgot. It's like, mm-hmm. he, I mean, yeah. the Holy Spirit kind of like, you know, there was this time four years ago when you, and this is your answer. Yeah. You know, Thank you. You, you. It was the, you hung up. I said, I'm going to put you on hold. It take a while. <laughs> it's not a necklace in one spot. It's a lot of moving parts. And by the way, you're in way over your head here. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you for sharing that. But that's, it's not that he's making us wait. It's like he's very busy he's and other people are doing other things. Yeah, but he's working on that. That's right. You know, the other thing that I think he's doing during these delays is he's strengthening our relationship with him. How many times do we sit before him again and talk about this thing that is so important to us? And yet all that time we are maintaining that relationship with him. And perhaps he is working to strengthen that in us. I wonder if we ever get to the point where our time alone with the Lord is more important to us than his answering everything on our list. Well, something else to think about? Let's see. Where am I in here? Okay. Um, This is the one. I know what I wanted to tell you. Um, A couple of years ago, a friend of mine here at King of Glory, Janet Wynn, gave me a wonderful quotation about prayer that I wanted to share with you. And I think it goes along with just what we've been talking about here, and especially what John has just shared. Here's Here's how it goes. I strongly suspect that if we saw all the difference even the tiniest of our prayers make and all the people those little prayers were destined to affect and all the consequences of the prayers down through the centuries, we would be so paralyzed with awe at the power of prayer that we would be unable to get up off of our knees for the rest of our lives. Have you ever thought about prayer being that powerful? Now, guess who said this? A professor of philosophy, not theologian, a philosopher at Boston College whose name is Peter Kreeft. I don't know if you've heard of him or not. He was asked to speak at William and Mary last year, and I really wanted to go hear him, but I didn't get to. But he is the person who said this. And this is someone that normally you wouldn't think about being um, 
keyed into prayer quite like that. But it's always impressed me, and I keep it attached to my bulletin board so that often when I'm sitting there, I see that and I read that. It reminds me that even the weakest of my prayers might be powerful at some point, and we don't ever want to neglect the time that we have um, for prayer, as John has certainly testified from a prayer from 40 years ago. So Jesus teaches us then the need to be specific, to be bold, uh, to persevere in prayer. Martin Luther's barber once asked him um, if he could teach him how to pray. So Luther explained, well, it's kind of like barbering. When you are about to shave a man with a straight-edge razor, it would be important not to lose your concentration, yes? (laughs) He said, well, in praying... Keep your mind on what you're doing. Now, sometimes we have a little problem with staying on track when we're trying to pray. I'm including you in that. I know I do, and I'm just suspicious that you might too. So sometimes it helps us to have a pattern or a method. Certainly the Lord's Prayer, but um, maybe you're familiar with this one, using the word acts. And each letter stands for an ingredient that we might want to use in our prayer. A for adoration. Um, That one's hard, I think. It's hard for me. Because I get it a little confused with thanksgiving. I want to thank God, but it's different. It's different. And so adoration comes when we take a quality of God, such as love or faithfulness, or um, the fact that he's approachable, or he's our creator, and just zero in on that and tell him how thankful we are, or we praise him for that quality that we have seen demonstrated in our own lives. Um, The Psalms are wonderful. Um, You'll have an interesting time just looking through there and picking out some that offer praise to God. How about the John Bailey? Have you been reading your prayers this week? Are you you trying it out? I think that some of them are hard. The language is full and difficult and poetic. But most of the time, they begin with um, words of adoration. O Lord and maker of all things, whose creative power made the first ray of light and who looked on the world's first morning, and saw that it was good. I praise you for this light that now streams through my windows, maybe not today, um, to waken me to the life of another day. So if you need some suggestions, this is full of phrases of adoration. Um, C stands for confession. I have no trouble with that one. I know exactly what that's talking about, and there are always things that I need to confess and get cleared up. Uh, Thanksgiving. There again, we're just full of things that we want to thank God for, particularly the answers to prayers that we have been praying. And then supplication, where we go to the Lord, we intercede for ourselves, for our family members, for our friends, for our church, things that we want to ask God about. So something to uh, think about in your prayer, um, if you just are in need of something new. 
uh, to refresh it a little bit. And then, of course, when we get to the end of our prayer, uh, yes, Larry? Can I add one more thing that Jesus taught us about praying? Absolutely. Um, we came across this uh, Tuesday in our small group. All right. In Mark 11, 24, it teaches us to pray with confidence. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have already received it, and it will be yours. That's powerful, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. And I think sometimes we believe, we pray with um, trepidation, and um, we, we don't believe that it's really going to take place. So there's an encouragement for us. Pray believing. Pray believing. Thank you for that, Lynn. Um, we also want to pray at the end of our prayer in Jesus' name. We talked last week about the fact that Jesus is our intercessor at the throne of grace. He is our high priest, just like the Old Testament high priest who takes the prayers of the people to God. And when we pray in Jesus' name, we are trusting that those prayers are going to be taken directly to our Heavenly Father. And then we finish with Amen. Or if, like with you, come from where I came from, Amen. And that does not mean that it's the end. What does amen mean? So be it. The Lord um, expects us to, as Larry just pointed out, believe that what we have prayed is going to take place. Luther says it this way. Yes, yes, it shall be so. So let it be. And so that gave him confidence that his prayer would be heard and it would be answered. Um, if you'll turn over on the back of your handout there, at the top are some very famous prayers that you have probably heard over the, over the years. Um, but instead of printing them all out, I decided I would just let you Google those. And you can read all about the history of them, uh, what the prayer is, and maybe you'll want to incorporate one of those um, at some point in your personal prayer life. The only one that is here completely is the third one, which is the Jesus Prayer from the 6th century. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That one will always work in whatever situation you're in. If you are afraid, if you are anxious, um, if you need help, that one is always good. It comes right from the, the um, scripture, the um, tax collector and the Pharisee. Lord, have mercy on me, sir. And then, um, so today, I would like for us to do some praying for our church. I was trying to think of something that we could all pray about, and I thought, well, King of Glory, that's what we need to be in prayer about. And I've listed here some suggestions. Now, you don't by any means need to use these, but you can if you want to, and certainly add other things. Um, we want to praise God that we have a place to worship, learn, and serve. Uh, we can, can, you can confess if you want to take a moment in your group to do that. Thank God for our pastor and his family, for our staff, for our council and the elders who serve here, for our retired pastors, 
for everybody who serves, for our congregation and our visitors. We certainly want to ask God to help us to serve this community, to proceed with building the vision and the capital campaign, grow in our faith and our relationship with Jesus. And it might be nice to ask for protection for the Harmon family as they travel to Ireland and England. Pastor will be here next Sunday morning, but they leave that afternoon. And then we'll pray all in Jesus' name. So I'd like for us to get together in a small group of about three or four people, decide on a leader. That's just somebody who will begin and end. Um, I get in the interest of time, you know, if you want to leave out the confession, you've already confessed at 8 o'clock, um, and you will at 11 if you haven't been to church yet. So you, we, can, we don't have to do that one today. Um, but as long as the, um, the leader opens and closes, that would be great. And so, as I said, use these or anything else that you feel we need to lift up to the Lord in prayer today. So take a moment to form your group. You may need to rearrange your chairs. Or some of you come around to the other side of the table so that you are able to hear each other. Is that a good experience for everybody? No. So be on the lookout for more information about prayer that will be coming your way this year, this summer. Um, Pastor Kennert is going to be leading us for the next two weeks on the John Bailey book. So we'll learn a little bit more about where that came from, who John Bailey was, and the best way to use it. And I'm sure he'll be full of ideas and suggestions and interesting things to teach us. So I look forward to seeing, seeing you in class uh, next week and after dinner. So thank you very much and have a great week. I'm letting you out early today since we went over last time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and His people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.